Bandwidth, her Priority One podcast, is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 177 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, June 5th, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming as of Monday, June 9th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Cookie. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hey, guys. Good to have you back. Good to be back, Skiffy. We missed you. It's good to be back. After a long trip to China, I'm glad to be home. Well, Cookie, why don't you tell us what we have in store this week? This week, Captains, we check out the first trailer to be released from Prelude to Axanar with the creator, Alec Peters, and Star Trek veteran Gary Graham. In STO news, we've got Summer Sun Cause Something's Begun on the Pleasure Planet Riza with new swimwear, hoverboards, pet monkeys, sandcastles, and a new Ryzen luxury cruiser. Later, I trek out the Star Trek exhibit during my first visit to the Mall of America in Minnesota. In our Community Spotlight segment, Chivalry Bean presents a Foundry Officer's Report of Diplomacy in the Gamma Quadrant by Mark Hawkman. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We're all volunteers here, Captains, and we could use your help with purchasing new equipment, with the hosting fees, or to alleviate some of the travel expenses when we cover conventions on location throughout the year. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In her latest Observer's Log, Candace Zanzinger introduces us to card games. Now, we're not talking poker or old maid here. We're talking non-collectible card games, living card games, and collectible card games. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. And lastly, Captains, before we move on with the show, we invite you to keep an eye on our social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at STO Priority One. Now, let's check out the first trailer for Prelude to Axonar with creator Alec Peters and special guest Star Trek veteran Gary Graham. Joining us again on this episode of Priority One Podcast is the creator of the highly anticipated independent film series, Star Trek Axanar, Alec Peters. And today, 
He's joined by a first-time guest on Priority One, Star Trek veteran Gary Graham, known to many Trek fans as Vulcan Ambassador Saval from Star Trek Enterprise. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining me here on Priority One Podcast. Uh, thank you, Elijah. Happy to be here. Yep, great to be here again. Alec, congratulations on filming Prelude to Axonar. So let's talk about the experience. Did it go as smoothly as you anticipated? Yeah, it actually did. And it was amazing. The first day of the shoot, which Gary was on the first day, we, we shot over two days that were uh, a Sunday and a Thursday just because of scheduling. And uh, the first day I was just kind of in executive producer mode. People were like, Alec, you're so relaxed. And I was like, I've got great people. I got great people working for me. What is there to be stressed about? You know, I come from that school of thought that you, as a manager, being, you know, an entrepreneur, that you hire great people and you let them do what they do best. And so I hired great people, my director, my DP, my actors and everyone was so top-notch and uh, you know it was really a professional crew and I'll let Gary chime in on that more than me but there was nothing for me to do on day one and I just sat back and just enjoyed watching Gary and Tony Todd and JG Hertzler work it was amazing and then on the second day of the shoot Thursday when I was performing I was in a pretty great headspace and from what everyone's told me they enjoyed the shoot and I'll, I'll let Gary chime in on how he thought it went because he certainly had a lot more experience than me uh, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I had a really good feeling about this project from the outset, from uh, talking to you initially, Alec. We met, I think, at uh, Firefly. Firefly, and, yeah. Uh, I read the script. I talked to you at length. I met Christian. And we had dinner. And I just, I had such a great uh, sense. My instincts never lie to me, and, and my instincts were all saying, this is going to be good. So I trust those, and sure enough, uh, the crew... You know, for a low-budget production, you really pull together some really committed and very highly skilled people, and a lot of people that I've worked with before. So it was just a wonderful experience, very relaxed, and uh, I'm so blessed to get the opportunity to resurrect a, a character that's been set to rest for so long uh, that is so integral to the uh, the Star Trek story, so ambassadors of all. I didn't realize until I got into makeup, you know, these years later, that I missed the old crusty bastard. <laughs> it was wonderful. And I must say also, Christian did quite a good, relaxed job of directing, too. Alec, you and uh, Christian just were, uh, were wonderful on the day. So, thanks. No, hey, thank you, Gary. It was, uh, it, was, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the set. I mean, you're fun to work with. And, and it's interesting, Elijah, you know, every actor is different. My biggest learning experience really as a first-time producer here on this kind of project because my background really is business uh, coaching and law but business for let's say and so dealing with the crew is easy you just hire great professionals and you let them go actors are a different breed and each actor is very different and so you know Tony is totally into you know his own thing and JG's very kind of matter of fact and it's just very easy and Gary's just a cut up on set Gary is always in the best mood you know especially when he's getting made up you want to hang around Gary because you know that's where all the fun's going to be on set <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's just a thrill to go to work you know I tell people heaven for me is being on a movie set it's just wonderful my downtime is you know that's my life but heaven is when you walk onto a, a movie set. You know, if you're lucky to get to do what we do, it's a thrill and, a, and it's a concentration and it's not fun and games, but you distract the part of yourself that wants to get all tight and tense and unnerved by uh, my method is hijinks. And I try to keep it fun and moving and there's a lot to laugh at on a film set. <laughs> 
Well, let me ask you this, because you are a veteran behind the camera. What differences or, or what separates a project like Star Trek Axanar from larger budget or more major network-based productions that you've been involved with? For me, the actor, it's the size of the production seems to uh, diminish how you are received by uh, production. You have much more latitude and much more freedom on a smaller production. That's why I love to do them so much. You sort of get run over by the big production that has millions and millions of moving parts to sort out. And even if you're the star of the movie, there are so many things to attend to that you just have less flexibility. That's my experience, anyway. Now, let's go back a little bit about the role of uh, Ambassador Saval that you'll be reprising here on Star mm -hmm. Trek Axonar. What can you tell us about this reprisal, and what role will Saval play in the story, if you can divulge a little bit? Well, I really can't. Uh, my lips are pretty sealed in a distant vault in a land far away. Alex could probably fill you in on that more. Yeah, I wrote Saval in as the character who's, he's kind of the bridge from Enterprise, which happened about 85 years before the story of Axanar. And he's kind of the bridge in that he's passing the baton to a young Sarek, who we will see, but won't really have any lines because there's no reason for him to really in Axanar. But um, Axanar, which takes place 20 years before TOS. So it's it's a nice bridge to have him there, and I just, as Gary knows, I'm a huge fan of his work as Saval in Enterprise, and um, just because that character went through such a wonderful arc over the four seasons. And I really felt that he could be an interesting piece to the Axonar puzzle, and a, a nice touchstone for fans. And uh, so I wrote him, and I was fortunate, you know, I called Gary up, and he came and met with me, as we mentioned, and then we met with Christian, and Gary's so easy to get along with. And he really is just such a wonderful actor that it was a privilege to write lines for him. And then to hear Gary say those lines on set was really, it was wonderful to see them come to life. It really uh, was enjoyable. And you guys were uh, very uh, easygoing. I had a couple of lines that I just wanted to change uh, for uh, reasons of, of the uh, character's background. You guys were so uh, easygoing and uh, fun to work with. So uh, I just loved it. I loved what was written and I loved... Uh, the improvements that we made, just the slight focusing in and mild alterations, uh, it just went great. So we talked a little bit about that dinner meeting that you had. Is there anything you can add to really what drew you back to play Ambassador Saval? Large what amounts you... of money in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a brown paper bag delivered in a parking lot. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't hear that. The, the IRS is everywhere. <laughs> You know, I was talking to an actor recently, and he mentioned something that reminded me of what I've always believed, and I don't know why this is, but I started on the stage. I was a stage actor first, and it didn't matter what play I was doing and how well I thought I did in it. The best ideas I had for the play and for the characterization always came on closing night when I was driving home. After it oh, was too late amen. to do it. Amen. And I don't know why. I think it just has to do with the release of, of tension and release of expectation that happens when you close a project, when you walk off the set of the last day of your shoot, where you're going, aha, oh, why didn't I do that? And, and it seems to be a universal thing with actors. And uh, I remember thinking that there was just some more gems, some more diamonds to mine from the uh, Ambassador Soval. So I was happy to have another chance to explore the guy 85 years down the line. It's a rare honor and a rare treat that anybody gets this. I'm uh, honored and privileged. That's really exciting. So 
Now, you've played a few roles in Star Trek Universe with the Renegades team, so would you consider yourself a, a Trekkie then? <laughs> I'm being uh, dragged to the Trek Universe kicking and screaming. Not really. I actually find it all very fascinating. I really wasn't what you would call a Trekkie. I mean, I used to watch the original series when I was a kid, but not near the... Uh, the passionate enthusiasm that I, I encounter so often at conventions. But I've said it before, I'll say it again, some of the most intelligent people in the world are Trekkies. You can always grab just a fascinating conversation about philosophy, science, futuristic extrapolation. It just boggles my mind, and I'm happy to be in that milieu. Great, that's so. fantastic. Well, Alec, tell us what's next for Axonart. For instance, when do you hope to launch the next Kickstarter campaign for the full-length film? Um, we'll probably be launching the next Kickstarter mid-July, right around the time we release the full-length prelude to Axonar short. That's the plan right now. And uh, it'll probably be, uh, right now we're planning on doing a 60-day Kickstarter, which is a little unusual, but we want to cover San Diego Comic-Con, Las Vegas Star Trek Convention, Houston Con, which will be at those three conventions, which happen one after another, and then Dragon Con, uh, first week in September, followed by the Salt Lake City Comic Con, which is now the third biggest comic convention in the country. So those five conventions are kind of like our marketing campaign and cover roughly two months. We need a lot larger sum to do the full-length feature. And I think by that time now, the trailer will come out and the short will come out. I think, and judging by all the comments on the trailer, everyone is blown away. So I think uh, we'll have built up the kind of credibility and shown proof of concept. And I think people will want to see uh, what Axonar is all about. Oh, absolutely. As of this recording, backers have received the link to the trailer. And so they have seen the trailer for Prelude to Axonar. And I got to say, Alec, it has surpassed my expectations for what you described. It's a beautiful piece of art with some amazing talent. It is exactly what I was hoping for. The way you described the documentary... The pieces fit so well. So congratulations, and I really look forward to the full prelude to Axonar, and then, of course, the success enough for a full-length feature film. Well, great. Thanks so much. Right on. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending some time with me here on Priority One Podcast. We hope you'll come on again and give us some updates later on down the road, and, of course, hopefully see you at a few Trek conventions or sci-fi conventions throughout the country. Hope so. Thank you, Elijah. Thanks, Elijah. Captains, get the latest news and updates on this amazing film project by visiting StarTrekAxonar.com. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Our first piece of Star Trek Online news is, well... The Big Risa summer event and activities going on right now. Cookie, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, 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 Risa. I've been so excited to talk about the Risa summer event. I love this event. I actually started playing the game when this event was going on last year, so this was one of my first experiences I had in the game outside of the mission episodes. So the first thing I wanted to do was build a sandcastle. The guy to talk to to get that started is standing in the balcony of the promenade which is the new structure. Then you have to search to find a bucket in the sand somewhere between the resort and the promenade, and it will be glowing, but it can be hard to find one that isn't already taken, especially during the bonus sandcastle time, which is the last 15 minutes of every hour, but you can do it every 15 minutes either way. During the bonus time, you get five Lola nuts, and then any other time you get two 
Not a whole lot. But it is fun, and it can be a race for time with the different obstacles they throw at you. So it's not really all that boring either, unless if you just do it so many times that you get bored. But um, if you make all the possible combinations of sandcastles, you can build a sand monument. You can also knock the sandcastles down afterwards, which I enjoy doing. But there's a lot more to do on Ryza, so I'm going to go through all the main activities, and they are on a set schedule, so I'm going to go through it in the order that they become available, starting at the top of the hour. The dance competition. This is located in the front stage area of the resort, and they just yell out what they want you to do, and you just choose from your emote list. It's the same as last year. When they yell, this is a side point, when they yell just dance, I thought it meant you could do whatever you wanted, but it doesn't. It means that you have to choose the dance mix. That's the only way that you can get that one to work. So just an FYI. Um, I think most people knew that, but I didn't know that until today. Competitive race, making waves, is at the 15 minute mark and the 40 minute mark. This is between the two new structures under the bridge, but you can just click the beam to race point when it starts, which takes you straight to it. You have to have a power board for this race, and it is a lot of fun. After you get six tags, you can start a DOF assignment to get one feather monkey. And the monkey trainer is on the second floor of the promenade, right across from the bird trainer. And just like the birds, you can trade these in for marks if they start acting up. At around the 22 minute mark is the start of the Horgon hunt. Just click the I want to hunt for Horgons and search the map to pick them up. You can still obtain Ryzen bird eggs from random drops during the hunt. This hunt will give you 25 Lolina favors plus whatever bonus favors you pick up along the way. It's best to do this hunt with a floater if possible. By the way, there's some great new floater colors and I'm going to pick one up in pink as soon as possible. At the 45 minute mark is when you can earn bonus favors for sand sculptures, which we already talked about. And most of these events all have pop-ups that make it easy to join. And the site to site transport now gives you the choice to beam to the resort or to beam to the promenade. And last but not least is the swimwear. This was one of my priorities today. Once you earn enough Lola Nut favors, you talk to the tailor that's on the boardwalk and get your swimsuit box. The only thing you have to keep in mind is you have to go to the head section at the top right corner and choose swimsuit. Then you go to the uniform. I didn't know that before, that was kind of difficult for me to figure it out, but um, I got some help from some friends, Lance and Dragon, and um, I got a pink bikini. It's super cute. And there is some awkward shading issues between the legs, but there isn't much you can do about that. I tried. There is a large variety of swimsuits to choose from, for the ladies at least, and remember you can only wear these swimsuits on Ryza, but that's okay. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. There is also the Flying High Daily event you can do to earn 40 Ryzen Lolonet pearls. Talk to the event coordinator to start the race. She's on the boardwalk that's right next to the finish line for the Making Waves race. You can use these pearls to purchase the new Ryzen Luxury Cruiser for a thousand Lolanup pearls. Once you purchase this ship on one character, it will become available on all other characters for only 40 pearls, so there's no need to grind every day on every character. Just do the race once on all your characters and you'll be able to get the ship. Well, Captains, it's not just funding games while on Risa. You can, in fact, earn yourself the new ship this year, and that's the Rysian Luxury Cruiser. In Season 9, Dev Blog number 23, Phil Gorgonzola Zaleski introduces Captains to the new Summer Event Reward. This new Rysian Luxury Cruiser with even more customization than last year's Rysian Corvette. Originally designed as a pleasure cruise ship only, the Lobby Crystal Consortium purchased the rights to manufacture an armed version of the ship. 
This ship comes equipped with a Soliton Wave Generator. Now, for those of you that may not remember, Soliton Waves were the main plot subject in the Next Generation episode, New Ground, the 10th episode in Season 5. The wave was designed to provide a new method of faster-than-light travel, but something goes wrong, and the Enterprise must swoop in and save the day, as usual. After talking to Epsilon and Lance and Dragon over on the Priority One TeamSpeak channel, we essentially agreed that it's very engineering-heavy and on par with the Excelsior. Now, a lot of people, including our very own Skiffy, were a little upset that the ship didn't get its own bridge. I wouldn't say upset as much as disappointed. I, I figured if they followed suit like they did with the Winter Event, you know, they had a couple of Breen ships out there for the Winter Event, so they took the time to put a, a, a nice fancy bridge on it. If you look at the Ryza map and you, you look at the ship on the on the shores or on the on the waves, whatever, um, you can see that when it's landed on a planet, they open up a level on the top, and it's got this nice wide open window view. And I thought that would have been perfect. They could have built a, a beautiful you know in, indoor bridge, but in space where those windows are open, and it would be just like Flossed in Paradise. Flossed in Paradise. Super green. Super green. Now, do you think that because we are flying the armed version of the ship that they would, you know, uh, you'd lose out on that awesome little deck? Well, uh, I mean, I, I assume the way they've made, uh, the mechanic they've put in there, this isn't in the dev blog, so we just have to, again, uh, make up our own story for it. But I assume that when you're landed on a planet with it, you can open that up and have a nice little, you know, balcony or whatever it is. Uh, but when you have the ship in space or in sector space, it's it's got armor, you know. It's got blast shutters closed over those windows. Now, earning this ship will cost you a thousand of the rewards, or just forty after you earn the first thousand on your main character. So uh, that's that's kind of cool that you don't have to earn a thousand on the rest of your tunes. In terms of patch notes, uh, one of the biggest ones is that the bug regarding the end of tier five for your Undine. Counter Command, 8472 Counter Command, will now grant a large amount of Dilithium experience, energy credits, and Undine Mark rewards. If the player has already reached Tier 5, they will automatically receive the mission upon logging in. If those of you that have got Alienware keyboards, your effects will now glow according to your faction, so, or your status, so for instance, your keyboard will glow red if you're on Red Alert, or blue for Federation, green for Romulan. So that's a nice little added touch there. They're, they have resolved an issue with loadouts, which would occasionally cause bridge officer powers, captain powers, and slotted duty officers to be removed when transitioning to another map. Now, I know that someone in our own TeamSpeak uh, channel, I believe it was Tythos, always had this type of issue going on, transferring maps. I mean, it, it was a, an ongoing problem for, for him, so I'm glad that they've uh, resolved this. Starfleet personnel on Memory Alpha, Deep Space K7, and Starbase 39 are now wearing the newly standard Starfleet uniform. Uh, for Tri-Cobalt Mines, they've replaced the Accuracy Modifier with the new Radius Modifier, as we discussed a few episodes ago. A new featured project has been made available to fleets that have already completed their Tier 5 star bases. The project requires no other input than 2,000 fleet marks. It is specifically designed to supply large fleets with a steady stream of fleet credits in return for surplus fleet marks. So, that's pretty nice. The fleet credit received from this project are half of what is received from all other projects, though. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, I, I think this is a this is a patch to, to kind of help those fleets that are screaming for fleet credits. Um, I think this would be better served if they put their time into you know fleet alliances or some way to trade those marks to smaller fleets that desperately need it. But they're clearly trying to put this in just for fleets that are that you know really don't want to manage as much anymore. They just want to throw a project up and and have something for their their members to put into. 
but it's going to be a bigger payoff if they're still you know adding more uh, provisions or you know some of the other projects that are available at the end game. Well, captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Let's visit the Star Trek exhibit at the Mall of America with Cookie Cupcakes. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. So, I had the opportunity of visiting the Star Trek exhibition at the Mall of America during my travels, which is in Minnesota. I was in the area visiting my mom and sister, so we all decided to go in our Starfleet uniforms, of course. It was a beautiful exhibit. When you first walk in, there's a video about Gene Roddenberry's vision with interviews with him and various cast members throughout the years. Then there is a detailed timeline of the entire history of Star Trek, starting with the space travel that has already been accomplished. So it was cool how they blended our actual history with the Star Trek timeline. And it put it all in order for you with the corresponding dates. And that was very helpful to me because it really put it all into perspective. And I don't think I really knew the true order of events before that because some things overlapped and the prequels and the sequels and so on. So reading that timeline was like looking through an old yearbook because some of these episodes I haven't watched in years. I went through a large range of emotions. I mean, I teared up a couple times, especially when oh, Worf and Jadzia. Oh, that was so sad. But it really made me want to watch everything all over again and also really made me want to replay some episodes in-game. I was actually a lot more familiar with certain things because of playing Star Trek Online. I've learned so much about Star Trek from this game. And I think that because of that, I was really able to enjoy this exhibit a lot more than I would have if I hadn't been playing the game for the last year because I recognized a lot more things and I could actually relate more because I got to experience some of the stuff in-game. They also had several uniforms and outfits on display, which I actually recognized a lot of them from Skippy's wardrobe in-game. <laughs> he has like every outfit. And back when I first met all of you guys, um, he put on a little fashion show for a few of us that were still awake late one night on one of the upper levels of the old ESD. And he showed us every single outfit in the game with commentary and detailed descriptions. Do you remember that, Skippy? Yes, I do. <laughs> that, that was the was better one of part my, of two hours, I think. That was a long fashion show, but it was one of my favorite... I just It's one of my favorite memories about this game, was that fashion show. I loved that fashion show. They also had the Wrath of Khan outfit that everyone got for free a while back, and I have that outfit, so I was like, hey, I have this outfit <laughs> in-game. It was so cool. Anyways, I'm getting off track. They, they also had props, weapons ship models, different sections of the ship were set up so you could go into them. Some you couldn't, some you could. We took a picture on the bridge of the Enterprise from the original series, although we were wearing TNG uniforms, but whatever. I think I was the only one who noticed that. It still looked pretty awesome. And there was a life-size Borg. There were several different alien species heads on display, including B4 which I got a pic staring into his eyes too, but it wasn't the same. Um, taking pictures is not allowed, by the way, except for the ones on the bridge or on the green screen, which they take for you and you have to buy it, which we did, so I don't feel bad for snaking a few pics, but I did. we, we totally snuck a few pics when nobody was looking. 
Um, the pics are posted on the Priority One Facebook page if you want to check them out. And the exhibit will be running until November 16th at the Mall of America. This is really exciting. I wish that this type of exhibit would come to the East Coast, and I'm sure it has in the past. Several years ago, I think there was one in New York City, but uh, there hasn't been one in a while. Something as interactive as what you're describing, where you can sit on the bridge, where you can walk into engineering and pretend that you're, you know, preventing a, a warp core breach. That's an experience that I unfortunately have never had. And, you know, now that even though I've been to Vegas twice already, the experience isn't there anymore. So I don't have that, uh, nor did I have the opportunity of experiencing that. I wish stuff like this would travel a little bit more or establish a home. Right. It's just establish one solid home where it could end up being a mecca for, you know, Star Trek fans to go and and experience these things. I know a few weeks ago we were talking about Paramount's version of Disneyland is happening in Spain and they're going to have a Star Trek area zone. It really just would be nice to have something localized like this where, you know, finally everybody can identify a home and go visit it if they're in that part of the country. Uh, and have this type of experience uh, instead of it just being so modular and mobile all the time. Yeah, and it moves around. It has moved around a lot, this exhibit. Now, I noticed that in the snapshots you did take, there weren't very many people around you. Was it kind of empty? I mean, we went during the middle of the day and it was on a weekday, so that may be why. But it was also tucked away behind like a Barbie exhibit. Like you walk into the exhibit hall and everything's Barbie. And then you kind of see it tucked away behind there. So, it's, I mean, I don't think they advertised it very well. But then again, people who are Star Trek fans probably would know where to find it anyway. But it was kind of tucked away, but it was good. And I recommend going with people that also like Star Trek because... Oh, it enhances the experience. Yeah, yeah I know my family's not listening, but I went with my mom and my sister. And they kept bugging me to hurry up. And I was reading the timeline. And they kept bugging me. I did not rush because I was like, I want to read this. <laughs> and I want to watch right. the video. And I want to look at the props. And it's like... They let you have your fun. Yeah, go with people that like Star Trek. They like Star Trek, but not like I like Star Trek. And like I said, if I wasn't involved with this game, I wouldn't have known half the stuff that I knew. Well, that's cool. That's a nice compliment to the writers of Star Trek Online. I know that there's talk about them having a science museum of sorts or science fiction museum. I hope that these things really just come to fruition and they establish a home for franchises like Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica um, so that people can plan accordingly and make a trip out like this. Some of these are are the most fun, exciting adventures that people can have, uh, especially when it's for something that they love so dearly. During the timeline, I think I teared up three different times. (laughs) I know that's silly, but it was just, I was like reliving everything as I was reading it. And I was just, some of them were happy tears and some of them were sad tears. I never actually cried, but I just felt like oh my god i need to watch these episodes again was there anything on the timeline that was star trek online like like, oh that's only from star trek online like b4 being captain of the enterprise not that i know of no it wasn't as detailed as it could have been but it still took me quite a while to get through it i think it was a nice balance but they just did the highlights just the highlights they had like it's hard to describe but they had little sections for each different series and the way that they had it set up was really nice and clear you could see exactly when everything happened and what the date was and everything but no nothing about star trek online i don't think discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about we'll send it over to us via incoming at priority one podcast.com now let's trek out shivery bean's latest foundry officers report of diplomacy in the gamma quadrant by mark hawkman 
Chivalry Bead here with a Foundry Officer Report. Today it's Diplomacy in the Gamma Quadrant, a Klingon mission by Mark Hawkman. This mission is best described, in my opinion, as a simulation of working for upper management. You follow orders and then things go awry because of lack of communication and red tape. This mission feels a bit like phone tagging parts, like someone is giving you the runaround and literally, you have to run around and talk to people to do what should be a simple job. If this was the intent of the author, he pulls it off well as a running theme of the mission. There is no ground combat, but there is some in space to liven things up. Overall, this mission feels a bit like work, but it was strangely satisfying to see this in Stowe and that someone else out there knows how you feel. Now let's open inhaling frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, although Cookie and I were not a part of episode 176 of Priority One Podcast, let's give a reminder of what last week's community question was. What are your favorite active space duty officers? Are they the crack uber elite mid-max squad? Or do they fit the flavor and backstory of your ship and crew? We first hear from Anthony Shane McGowan. My main Federation tactical captain, which is me, my space duty officers are centered around my flagship, the Fleet Chimera Heavy Destroyer. I optimize my duty officers to the bridge abilities I mash the most. Ron Kinney writes, welcome back, James. Yes, it was good to hear James again. That was nice to have him back. All right, Captains, Orangitis writes in. I'm being serious, guys. I honestly enjoyed Revenge of the Fallen, the Transformers film he's talking about. And it is indeed my favorite of the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Although Revenge of the Fallen had the best toy line of the four movies, though the presence of the Dinobots in Age of Extinction may change that. Never knew having an unusual opinion was considered a troll now. Orangitis, you know very well oh. if that's not the case. We, we throw the word troll around to all of our favorite listeners, those of you that love to give your opinion. It's, it's really a term of endearment. We love you to death, and everybody's opinion is very much valued. So don't listen. I wasn't there. I couldn't stop it. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, I've docked their pay. <laughs> I've docked everybody's pay for trying to insult anybody that, that listens to the show. Azurian Star writes... Reading Rainbow. Nice, Lavar is getting Reading Rainbow back. It's a really positive program. Riza, Arnologist, Sand Geologist? Somehow I don't get the impression that name is correct. Do you think sand castles would fall under art sculpting than geology? Perhaps the P1 team could do a little digging. You know, they did. They looked it up and they did discover that it was a made up word. So there's no such thing as sand geology. Well, I'm not surprised. Not according to Wikipedia. Yeah, what, what we did, uh, Tony did the research on Oxford's Dictionary and Webster and a few others. What we discovered is that the term is in use for sand ge uh, geologists. Like, th there's just not many of them. There's not many people that have that feel. So the term is in use, but the word technically doesn't exist. It is a contrived word, and, and it's the suffix and the prefix have been put together the way they should be. So if this word existed, that's probably what the word would be. But yeah, technically, it's made up. Well, there you have it. Berthulf writes, Wow, great podcasts. We never had Reading Rainbow in the UK, which, now I know about it, is kind of sad. That said, we did have Letterland. Anyway, on with the show and tell. My favorite duty officer at the moment is the Mirror Hakeem. 
Whilst his special ability doesn't activate as quite often as I'd like, it is really useful in STFs where I play more of a squad support role. P.S. How can you say that the Galvatron movie was anything but epic? Yeah. Sean Newboy writes, My DOFs currently are the five to six purples that I have most use for from the ones I have acquired. Someday I will get specific ones, but that's a last step for characters for PvP. Very fun show, everyone. Love the new temporarily redacted segment. Akuza Shuzen writes in, My active duty officers are whatever I need at the time. The most are to do with beam weapons, cannons, torps, and carrier uses. As for reading Rainbow, I grew up on it and passed the link over to Cookie because her favorite actor shows up at the end. But I agree. To help Lavar out, we need to bring reading Rainbow back. Yeah, he's talking about Brent Spiner. Yeah, he always shows up. Sano Skyrat writes, What pisses me off is JJ's double standards between Star Wars and Star Trek. With Trek, no one, no one who worked on any Trek was allowed, but has gone out of his way to get the old band back together with Wars. Again, I think this proves that he was a Star Wars fan and never cared for Trek. That's a really good point. I'm surprised that you know the only one that they brought back was was Leonard Nimoy, and that was about it. And, and yet, for Star Wars, everybody and their mothers were returning to reprise their role in some way, shape, or form for Star Wars. You know, when push comes to shove, we'll just have to wait and speculate what Orsi's going to do with uh, with Star Trek Three. Woody Valley writes in, Well, this gala session is not too shabby at all. Rather, True Blue, even with no Sheila on the show, you didn't sound like a bunch of boff heads at all. Just seem to go tropo on the blooper reel. Now, the translation. Well, <laughs> this podcast is not too bad at all. Rather faithful, even with no lady on the show. Was he talking about you or me? Didn't sound stupid at all. Just seemed to lose it on the blooper reel. Good stuff, guys. For the record, since you weren't here last week, he wrote that, I think, primarily for James, because James was commenting that he works with a lot of uh, Australian people in his line of work now in his new job. So he oh, picked yeah. up some of their lingo. Oh, well, that's, that's sweet. <laughs> Well, Captains, each week our social media channels are buzzing with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. So please, keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. You can also shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 177 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on Trek Radio starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And you can subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts of the show by emailing us to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or... By following us on our social media platforms. Cookie, what are those ways to follow us? Well, if you head over to Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like, that's our Facebook page, or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One Podcast in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We're all volunteers, and we can continue to use your help with hosting fees or to alleviate travel expenses as we cover conventions on location. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a recurring basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. 
And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. A special thanks to our guest, the creative mind behind Star Trek Axonar, Alec Peters, and Star Trek veteran actor, Gary Graham. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, and audio assistants, Ben Churchill and Midnight Shadow 7, particularly for their assistance with editing this week's show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. But, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Shishi. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. I've been hearing about these sandcastles singing Robin Sparkles. Sandcastles in the sand. Don't you dare, Skiffy. Don't edit it out. In STO news, we've got summer sun because something's begun on the pleasure planet Ryza with new swimwear, hoverboards, pet monkeys, sandcastles, and a new Ryzen... Is it Ryzen? I say Ryzen. See, I think it is Ryzen. Can I just say Ryzen? Ryzen. Can I just say Ryzen? No, it's not Ryzen. 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 Rice. Like rice. Ian. Rice. Like rice. Like what I ate a lot of. And then Ian. But can't. But I can handle the. I can handle any of the haters. I want to say no. It's Ryzen. Please say it correctly. Thank you. Have a good night. Oh my God. Okay. Where do I have to start? Where do I have to start to do this? Where's a good starting place? Start from the beginning. Oh, you wouldn't start at the beginning if it was you. How about in STO news? How about this week, captains? I paused. I trek out. No, I paused right there. Cookie, please, for the sweet love of God, I'm still jet lagged. You have to pick your battles, okay? Please, I'm giving you the Ryzen. I want to start in STO news. That's it. We're all fair. <laughs> I know I'm right, Ferganot, but they don't believe us. Would you please start from the beginning? It's not a matter of, it's not a matter of what's. It's easier on the recording. Would you please just? I'm not doing oh, and it. Ben's to, um, doing the recording, right? Correct. He's doing. Okay, the then editing. I'll do it. I'll do it for Ben. So I don't do it because I want to. I, I I don't understand why all of if you I think do I'm this, doing it. Then I want to say Ryzen. <sighs> it, whatever. It's wrong, <gasps> but whatever. 
Okay. <laughs> no, you're saying Rycian. Not because you're clapping no. and you're all happy. It's, ri it's Rycian. You just said I could say Rycian. It's Rycian. Rycian. Yeah, but they're, it's blonde. It's how, how Shani, do you know how could you step in here, please, Shani, and She's tell her? It's in on the other text. Room. But, uh, Cookie, think of it this way. What if we misread your name <laughs> while doing, uh, like, feedback or something? That's like, fine. Like we, Elijah is already spelling it wrong all this time since he got back. Is it too okay, late to get I James in here? <laughs> oh, Cookie, please. Thank you. <clears throat> Rycian. Rycian. I'm going to say it really fast. Okay. Or maybe it'll sound like the way I want it to sound. Okay. This week, Captains, I track no, out uh, this. What are you doing? What? We gotta get, we got, we're not. What are you doing? What are you doing? Hold on. We're gonna. I started at the beginning like you wanted no, me to. No, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. This this whole intro is, a, is <laughs> poo. So I'm gonna. We're <laughs> off the air right now. So we're just gonna do it off the air for now, and then I'll bring us what? back in in a second. Oh, we really are, are off the air. Yeah. Oh yeah. It took us off the air. <laughs> <laughs> you should read. You should read the comments. You should read the comments. Oh my God. Let me see. Poor Why Elijah. You take us off the Stand air? Stand your ground, Cookie. <laughs> 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 These are great. These are great. Why'd Here's you take us off the air? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I'm gonna bring us back. I'm gonna bring us back. And Cookie, let's just start fighting, okay? And then I'm gonna take us back out, okay? Okay, you Cookie? You know what? Yeah. All right, three, two, go, go, go. You know what, Elijah? What, if Cookie, I what? Was... Oh my God. Listen, no, I'm sick and tired of you thinking. I'm sick and tired. No, I'm done. I'm done here. I can't no, handle Skippy, this anymore. No, Skippy, stay out of this because I know you're gonna take Elijah's side. Aren't you? All right, I brought us. I took us out again. <laughs> you better go back in and tell him. They're like, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> I think I'm right, you guys. I think I'm right. It's about gonna the be a long night for P1 podcasts. <laughs> all right, all right. Hold on, let's, I'm just gonna record the first part and that's it. So, and then I'm gonna bring us back in, okay? Let's just get Why? through Why do you have to re-record it? Him, we gotta tell him we're not actually fighting. Yeah, no, no. We'll do that when we get back. <laughs> to memory. Okay. Oh. Someone right, has cookie. to, ooh. Cookie. Okay, let's just focus a second. Ready? <laughs> what am okay. I doing? <laughs> I'm gonna hit the, uh, stop audacity and then oh, delete, the, delete the whole thing. Yeah, we're Why do we have to not. delete it? We need it for the bloopers. No, we don't. Oh, yes, I we guess. do. Yeah, right, we don't. We won't have any blue. All right, we just can, save it. Just save just it as a one seven seven. <laughs> Romulan oh. Ale says, "I can't hear them anymore." Do you think she's killing him? <laughs> okay. Now yes, I'm gonna bring us back cookie. in. It is rising. <laughs> if I told you once, I've told you one hundred oh. times. <laughs> go ahead. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. <laughs> cookie, I'm gonna you bring just you back go in. Back. Yeah, yeah. Now you gotta yell at me. You gotta Wait, yell something. What at episode me. is this? What episode is this? Uh, one seventy-seven. I'm gonna hit. Just scream something at me. Scream a vulgarity at me. I don't care. How about a, if I cry? <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. Do that. And, all right. Three, two. <laughs> I was. I was surprised. Surprised. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You are such a troll, Elijah. Oh my god. I want someone to. Rise here. Rise here. Rise here. Everybody's doing it in their two cents. Okay, about ready? This. I'm gonna bring uh, us back in. 
Three, <laughs> two, and we're back, Captains. You're tuned into the live recording of episode 177. Everything is fine. Of prior everything is fine. <laughs> mommy, mommy, and Daddy love each other. And and Elijah's a big <laughs> troll. <laughs> there it is. Just figured we'd give a give a show. And of course, as always, we'll open. We'll open. <laughs> hoping, well, hoping, I quit. And a new Ryzen lux luxury cruiser. I'm so sorry. I just it's so hard for me to say it wrong. Okay. <clears throat> it's not wrong. It's right. Summer sun, cause something's begun on the pleasure planet Ryzen with new swimwear. Oh my god. Actually, it's, it should be Pleasure Planet Risa there. Risa. Risen. <laughs> oh, my God. We got through and we got through the introduction. Woo! I didn't get to talk about the nerve tonic. 